0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Celtics Lab podcast. I am taking over hosting duties for Cameron today. It's Alex Goldberg on the mic, quarterbacking and running the show. And we have with us a special guest today, Matt Consolazio, host of the Indie Basketball Podcast. Matt, how are you doing?
1: Yo, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on here.
0: Yeah, man. I appreciate it. Justin, how are you doing over there in Mexico?
2: Well, uh, I missed... The last episode, uh, because of, actually, no, I didn't miss the last episode. I missed the game. I missed the game uh, that we'll talk about a little bit later because of some uh, cancer detection stuff I would rather not talk about. I'll let you all fill in the blanks. Uh, So far, so good.
0: Glad to hear it, Justin. And uh, we are going to get right into it. But before we do, we just want to mention off the top that this episode of the Celtics Lab podcast is brought to you by FanDuel the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. That is FanDuel, exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. All right, so let's get right into it. Um, We have a little bit of Celtics news to start right off the top with. Uh, Obviously, the big one is that last night the Celtics got a win win over the Portland Trailblazers after a short three-game slump. And uh, Justin, you had a question that you wanted to ask to us. So we're going to swing to you first. What do you got to say?
2: A couple questions. So I didn't watch the game. I have been catching up with various podcasts that beat us to the punch. i uh, talking to y'all offline, all that good stuff. Um, first of all, because you were not on the last pod, uh, we talked about, uh, Alex, we talked about what we thought the... The root causes of what's been going on with the Celtics. So I'm wondering if you, Matt or or Alex, um, have some opinions on what's going wrong. And then also with the game last night, did you like what you see, if you saw it? And do you think that this is, you know, like a good sign of when they should have just gotten no matter what? Is this, you know, important? Is everything kosher now? Just what are your general impressions?
0: Um, I'll take that first one, JQ, and I'm just going to go off the top and say, I think the big problem for the Celtics right now is that it's March uh, and the regular season is winding down. And I think they look like a team that is kind of mentally ready for the playoffs and ready for the regular season to be over. Um, The big thing that I've noticed in the mini slump that they've kind of just gone through is that the defensive effort has looked a little bit disengaged, particularly Jason Tatum's defensive effort has looked a little bit disengaged. Um, I think that that is, you know, not ideal. You definitely want your best players to be involved on the defensive end. And we know Tatum is capable of being an extremely effective defensive player. Um, But I get the sense that this is more of an effort uh, issue than it is a particular, like systemic problem with the C's. I think that they're kind of grinding the clock out until the playoffs. And once the big picture games come around, they should be ready to roll. Uh, and I expect their defensive effort to ratchet up accordingly. Matt, yeah. I wonder, yeah. swing it. To I you feel know. like,
1: you know, I'm, I'm a bulls fan. So I obviously have a much lesser perspective <laughs> currently, but I, th- I feel like honestly where you guys are at right now is like, I feel like you want to be like, like Steph where you, you can say like, you know, we're just waiting to the playoffs, but you can't because you haven't won. So like you're in the same boat, but you just feel like you can't say it quite yet. But I, I I don't think there's any crazy concern. Yeah. You're just like, you're waiting for the playoffs start. That's, that's what's going on. And like, you know, where, wherever they can conserve effort, they're going to.
2: Yep. I I feel like that is the big animus behind all the Celtics fan freakouts we've been seeing to these relatively minimal amount of losses comparatively spread throughout the season they're just they've seen the failure and they haven't seen the win so until they see the win they're not going to be comfortable with you know a little bit of treading lightly
0: at this point in the season and to that point you know looking at a game like last night against Portland Trailblazers team that really I don't think anybody is particularly concerned about at this point in the season um you know I don't think that the Celtics played all that well To be honest, last night, um, it was far from their most dominant effort of the season. And there were definitely some times where they were getting three happy, not moving the ball very well on offense. And defensively, the rotations were not there. But at the same time, they ended up winning that game by a pretty hefty margin. And I think it just goes to show that like. A lot of the concern and noise around this team, particularly during the slump, is a little bit overblown. They can still pretty easily dispose of lesser teams whenever they need to. And I think we need to give some credit to the Knicks and Cavs. Those are good basketball teams. They're playing hard, and they really have something to go for here. They're trying to jockey for seeding. They're trying to ramp up. So, um, you know, I think they, they both put in some strong efforts. The Nets game, I think, was a little bit more within the Celtics' control, shall we say. But uh, you know, I yeah. think those are two. Those are an example of like two strong teams that are really trying to make a hard late season push. So I'm not horribly surprised that the Celtics lost those games, and they took them both to overtime, double overtime in the case of the Knicks. So I don't know. I'm not overly concerned. Um, yeah, there I feel are like some, we can.
1: Sorry, yeah, go ahead. I, I feel like we can no longer uh, like discount the Knicks. You know, like they're they're a good team. They're a very good team, and like. I, odds are you will fight, face them the playoffs at some point so like I oh, yeah. I think they're definitely like you know we're all so used to like crapping on the on the Knicks and like it's a tradition right? It, it's just not the case anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean they play at least hard. right now.
0: Tom Thibodeau has done a really nice job over there they've got a lot of quality players who know what they're doing and you know Julius Randle is making a pretty late push for an all NBA team here um, That's that's been a really impressive story from them. The Cavs you know a really talented basketball team: Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, Jared Allen. Like those guys are good. Being brave um, an, to
2: bench a twenty million dollar a year player who once played for the Celtics. Who took I took my name. segue. I had Sorry. a segue
0: all lined up, and then you just well, let's go with it. Let's go fine. with it. That guy. Um, One of the areas that has been of major concern to a lot of Celtics fans lately has been the play of one Grant Williams. Recently, Grant revealed that he has an injury in his elbow, and I am wondering, and I'll swing it to you first, Matt. um, Does this change our view of Grant Williams' relatively poor contract season? His shooting averages are down, his points per game are down, and defensively he has not looked like the same guy for a while. Um, Does this change your view of Grant as a player? And I'll swing this question to you. Should he be in the Celtics playoff rotation?
1: Uh, I mean, in my my limited exposure to actually watching Celtics games, I I do feel like my perception of Grant Williams is he's a rotation player. And I feel like, should he be in the rotation? Yes, he should be in the rotation. Um, Has his ups and downs. I think the uh, Cleveland game was a, a, a clear... You know, call out for sure, <laughs> but uh, you know, I I think you guys are deep enough that it's it's okay that you know you could it can ebb and flow, and he can, he can if he's having a bad game, he can sit a little extra than he normally would.
2: I do yeah, your thoughts. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. Uh, he's not a star player. He might think that he's a star player. The market will tell him what kind of a player he is, and it's not going to be a $20 million a year player, barring some late season explosion. Um, Should he be playing now? I think is an important question. I don't think he should be playing now. I think even if he can be not put on the injury report because he can still technically be out there. I'm not. Sure that seeing what you have elsewhere in the depth rotation is necessarily worth putting him out there. I mean, I know continuity is an important thing for some people, but uh, when you play hurt, you can do other things to yourself by trying to compensate for it. And we are seeing that again in the defense. Uh, he seems to favor not using his shooting arm uh, on both ends of the court whenever possible. Like whatever he does, the thing where he kind of like absorbs contact uh, for the certain kinds of players that he's good at. Now, speaking of those, another thing that's going on is people are aware of the matchups more so than they used to be of where he is effective. So certain players like Giannis, he's very effective against other players. He's very much not effective against like more traditional bruising bigs. So he's being game playing at the same time that he's at his weakest, uh, better than ever before, which is making him look terrible. So yeah. let him you know get back to the drawing board, find out what actually works within the the sets the Celtics are trying to play and I think that if he isn't able to play at a fairly like what we have seen in the past at least in key matchups in the postseason then the Celtics have much bigger problems than what you know Grant Williams is going to be making
1: I think it's tough too because he's small for if he's playing the four he's small for a four yeah. and I feel like the, the matchups that he's going to get against it are going to be very inconsistent
0: Yep. Yeah. And what's challenging about that is that, you know, from what I've noticed with Grant's game and the kind of biggest area of drop-off is that he's actually really struggled to contain perimeter penetration uh, in a way that he really wasn't in previous years. Um, You know, guys like Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell have just been having their way with Grant and those are great players. So like, obviously, you know, they're a hard cover either way, but I've noticed in particular that Grant is really struggling in high switch situations where he's getting matched up with a guard that has a tight handle. Um, I will be interested to see if he can recover with that. Speaking of guards that have tight handles, um, Fred Van Vliet unloaded on NBA officials in a press conference last night. Um, Perhaps the most dramatic call out of any NBA officials uh, that we've seen in recent memory. Um, This concerns the Celtics because Marcus Smart had Well, uh, a little bit of crossover with regard to his complaints around officials, in that he said, I'm going to let Fred do the talking for me on that one. Um, And so I'll swing to you first, Matt. Is Fred going too far with
1: his criticisms of the refs? Mm, I mean, it's always kind of an issue. I think, you know, someone to, to point at in the league. Luca's always going to have an issue with the refs. Like someone's always going to have an issue with the refs. And, you know, I, I personally, like I'm also a big baseball fan. I feel like compared to, to the major league baseball, like refs don't take over the show nearly as much as they do in baseball in NBA. I feel like they're starting to, and I think a lot of players are taking note and they are being vocal about that. But I I think, you know, historically it hasn't been so, so much of a problem, but it may, it, it does seem like it is maybe, on the rise, JQ thoughts.
2: So, a couple thoughts. Uh, I do agree. There has been a rise in, uh, shall we say, referees inserting themselves into the game, which Fred, you know, correctly called out. I think that that is not a mistake, and I also think unlike Grant Williamson to a lesser extent, uh, Marcus Smart, if you are going to criticize the refs, do not do it in the game with the entire actions happening while you are creating a four on five play, basically because you were whining and crying, setting yourself up for more prejudice, take the fine, get it in public, out of the game. They respond to that. They don't, when when you do it in private and people can't hear what you're saying, They just become more vindictive more often than not, even if they don't mean to be. So I think if you're going to criticize the refs, the way that Fred Van Lee did it, maybe a little little less intense uh, is the way to do
0: it. I largely agree. And one of my biggest issues with the Celtics this season, not that I've had a lot of them because I think they're uh, really good, but um, whenever Jason Tatum starts barking at refs, I get very concerned because that usually ends poorly for him. Um, so we'll swing this back to the Celtics for a couple more things and then we'll go into league news. Um, one more bit of news for the Celtics, Robert Williams, their starting center is still out for another three to five days within the seven to 10 day range that Joe Missoula mentioned earlier. He is traveling with the team, but it is unclear if he is going to play on this road swing. uh, And that's a result of hamstring tightness. Um, and the big shift for me that I've noticed is that this has Resulted in Derek White's reinserting into the starting lineup. Derek White, of course, having a terrific season, a fringe all-defense candidate, and uh, generally a huge contributor to the Celtics run. My question to you, Matt, um, do you think Derek White will be starting for the Boston Celtics come playoff time?
1: I mean, possibly. I mean, we're already talking about Grant Williams, like kind of maybe taking a back seat maybe that means that Derek Williams actually or he actually gets more time uh yeah I think injuries are always a issue and and you know playload, you know load times and all that stuff so it's it's tough to say but I think again you guys are deep enough that you, you can afford it so I, I think when it comes playoff time hopefully they can take it easy with him a little bit and you can get some more time JQ Derek White playoff starter
2: you discussed this a little bit last pod, and I think we all came to the conclusion that the numbers support it, right? He is better as a player, and the team is better as a team when he starts. Uh, whether or not you want him closing, uh, I do think there is some good possibility of, of seeing how Rob plays with the second unit. I think that it's better to have an intense rub for less time than, you know, him kind of like tiptoeing around the court, trying not to hurt himself again. If that's even what's going on, he might just not have that that boost on all nights anymore. Whatever the case is, I think that, you know, not quite putting him in bubble wrap, but maybe, you know, attaching a couple pieces of styrofoam might be the right way to go.
0: Of course, the linchpin to all of this is that Al Horford needs to stay healthy and productive, which so far he has just been having another outstanding vintage season at age 36. So Al, keep doing what you're doing and make sure to ice those knees. Um, Boston is currently two games back from the arch rival Milwaukee Bucks in the standings. They are in front of the Philadelphia 76ers, currently residing at the two seed. Um, Matt, we'll swing it to you first is the top seed in the Eastern Conference still in reach for Boston, or is Milwaukee too far gone? Mm,
1: it's certainly possible. I, I've always, I mean, for a while this season, I felt like the top three in the East are, are pretty certain and in, in what order that is. Honestly, maybe it doesn't even matter when it comes to playoffs, but um, yeah, I I mean, there's you never know. There's, there's still plenty of time left in the season. There's a run where you can catch them. I think it, it ultimately will be, pretty close, but Bucks are consistently pretty good, but you know, so always Celtics. JQ, your thoughts? Well,
2: the Bucks. I think, I don't think the 76ers are catching up with Boston, but I do think there is a fairly decent chance, particularly depending on whether or not Giannis feels the need to rest more. He's a little dinged up. Uh, he's playing through a lot of these injuries, and they do have a harder schedule than Boston. They have a number still of plus 500 teams to handle uh, with several several opportunities for for squads to beat them. The Celtics, on the other hand, I think are looking at a situation where it might just come down to the uh, March 30th meeting with the Bucs to decide whether or not they're going to bother resting because that probably is going to be the decisive game barring one or the other team going on a losing streak.
0: Makes sense.
1: I also think that, you know, with with the Bucks, it's looking back at their history with, you know, Chris Middleton getting injured in playoffs and it's like they're going to want to take it extra easy too. you know, they want to make sure that they're fully healthy. Maybe they do also take the, the Warriors approach and be like, we know we'll be there. Let's let's make sure everyone's feeling good when we get there
0: a fair point. The only thing I'll throw it against that is that obviously last year, Milwaukee lost a game seven on the road in Boston. So that might be looming large in their calculation. Um, Let's swing it around to the league news really quick. And Matt, we're going to start with an issue that is unfortunately near and dear to your heart as a Bulls fan. Lonzo Ball, it looks like is going to need another operation on his knee uh, heading into this offseason, it seems like he's already been shut down for the year. And with another operation, there's a real possibility that he will miss some time next year. I guess my question to you is it's not really even as much of a question, but like, what are your thoughts on the Lonzo Ball experience so far and kind of where it can go from here?
1: It's just such a roller coaster because when he first came to the team, it was like such an immediate impact. And like, him and Caruso joining the team, like he really felt like that defensive presence, and it was so good. I, I think you know the past like what two years now, honestly. Like him and having all these injuries, you know, you, I look at it from two sides. I'm like, is, is there definitely something wrong with the medical staff? Because <laughs> like you know, you, you, this can't keep happening. But also, when you look back, that actually when he was drafted, you know, there he was getting knee injections already so it's like there was stuff going on and you know people tend to forget that when he has a solid stretch and they're like oh oh great he's back to normal but i i don't know man i my gut instinct is like his i don't even know if it's just his bulls days are over but like his career is like going to be pretty limited here That's on out scary. yeah jq any thoughts on Lonzo ball
2: I am just curious why ownership did not pull the trigger on a larger rebuild because it didn't seem to me even before this news that the the franchise was looking at anything especially positive in terms of like making a deep playoff run. So it seemed to me that the thing to do would be to sell off all of your older players and and get those picks to invest in new talent to build around some of the younger players, the raw players you guys have, Uh, but they did not do that. And I'm still confused as to why that is.
0: We'll get into that as well a little bit later uh, we're going to be having matt do some exercises as a potential gm candidate oh,
2: yeah.
0: um before we do that though we should talk about a little bit more league news we'll just knock through really quickly steph curry is back from injury and the golden state warriors are rising up the standings meanwhile in the west the memphis grizzlies are going the opposite direction john morant was briefly suspended Brandon Clark is out for the year, along with Steven Adams, two essential front court pieces for the Memphis Grizzlies. So with the Warriors trending up and with the Memphis Grizzlies trending down, there's a team in the middle that we should talk about as well. Kevin Durant potentially going to be out for a significant amount of time after slipping and falling during layup lines last night in what was supposed to be his Phoenix Suns home debut. So let's combine all three of these topics together and Matt I'll swing to you. Seems like there's a little bit of chaos in the Western conference standings. What do you make of the warriors rise, the Grizz fall and the questions around the Phoenix suns?
1: I mean, is this just like the universe leveling itself out? Like going back to how it was. Cause uh, you know, last week, two weeks ago you look at the standings and it's like, these teams are at the top of the standings. You would not think this five, seven years ago. Um, it's it's really interesting because yeah i i all the john Morant stuff i i can't see this even even if he doesn't get suspended for more time it's still gonna affect the team it's you know and even seeing reports that steven adams before all this stuff was like we gotta we gotta chill on going out we gotta like take it easy like clearly there's some some issues in the locker room and yeah, it doesn't bode well for them. Suns were were getting hot with with KD joining the team, and they they were pretty exciting when they, when they had their full squad together. So, missing him is obviously pretty unfortunate. But like we said earlier, Warriors are are going to keep rising, and they 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 feel good. They they know that they'll be. Doesn't matter if they're one or they're seven. As they're, as Curry said, as long as you don't hit the play in. <laughs>
0: JQ, thoughts on the chaos in the West?
2: I think it's making the West Denver's uh, race to lose. They look far and away the most stable and strong team. We don't have to talk about the MVP race because, God, I do not want to talk about the MVP race. But the standings at least uh, reflect the excellence that has been happening with with the Nuggets. Uh, So in my eyes, that is the team to keep an eye on. Uh, the reason why I was never very supportive of it, I, uh, the idea of bringing Kevin Durant to Boston is that he's older. And I know that slipping and falling on a layup line is not really part of that. But I am really worried because this is the second you know lower body injury he's had in just a few months that he's going to be a little slower to pick back up. And I am not 100% sure that this team is going to be meshing quite as well as it could be because of that. So something to keep an eye on.
0: For sure. You know, I think one of the biggest stories of this year has been the play of Kevin Durant when he's on the court and the reality of Kevin Durant being off the court a good bit more than he's on it. At this point, it's kind of crazy to think about how much drama went into Kevin Durant's story this year between the dysfunction in Brooklyn, the big trade, this expectation that he's gonna, you know, elevate Phoenix to being a true serious contender status. And now the reality that, you know, he's probably gonna have to miss some more time, the twist and turns with this guy are endless. I do wonder, do we think the Suns can still make a deep run in the Western Conference playoffs without yeah, Kevin Durant? I do.
1: Yeah, I mean, even looking at last year, like they didn't have him, and they they still maintained pretty well. I I think they'll at least make a decent run. We'll see how far it can go.
2: They'll get out of the first round. I don't know if Durant will be you know fully back to shape, you know, game form and whatnot by then. But as long as they make it out of the first round, I think there's a pretty good chance that they can at least get him back in a meaningful sense. Uh, we'll see how long he's actually out for though.
0: Yeah, you know, I think their odds have definitely taken a little bit of a hit. Uh, The Golden State Warriors are just such a menacing team that it seems like you can't kill off. And um, I would be a little surprised to see them beat the healthy Warriors in this series. Um, But if you like the Phoenix Suns odds or anyone else's odds, I have some great news for you. Um, Sports gambling is now legal in Massachusetts as of today. JQ, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Well, uh, to be completely honest, not very much because I am here in Mexico where I cannot gamble on any, you know, services that y'all are going to have available to you, which is, uh, you know, kind of disappointing to me. But you know, it's becoming a fabric, a part of the fabric of pro sports everywhere. So,
0: yeah. Well, you know, you are a plugged-in Celtics journalist, so uh, I don't, I don't know if you have heard any word from the Celtics themselves about what their changes and the responses to the change in legal status for Massachusetts betting. Uh,
2: there's been plenty from Adam Silver uh, speaking at various events like uh, NBA Mexico and the all-star game, uh, trying to you know warm people up to a more close embrace of, of uh, gambling in pro sports, the NBA, obviously in particular, but as far as the Celtics, I have actually not heard anything and maybe they don't have anything to say because it's more of a league thing. I'm not really sure.
0: Well, they may not have anything to say, but that's a perfectly good segue to our sponsor. Massachusetts, listen up. The wait is finally over. FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, is now live in Massachusetts. And new customers in Massachusetts can get in on the action with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at Fanduel.com slash Boston. That is again, Fanduel.com slash Boston, all caps. Finally, you can bet on all your favorite sports from the money line to point spreads to player props and more.
2: I will be honest. I have not even looked at the app because like I said, I can't use it here in Mexico. Maybe taking a look at it at all.
0: Yeah, well, I might take a look and see what the Celtics action is for these upcoming slate of road games. I'll tell you what. And if you are like me and want to place a bet on FanDuel, uh, you can bet now on an app that is safe, secure, super easy to use, and you should get right in line. Do not miss your chance to get $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. Visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and make every moment more on America's number one sports book. 21 and present in Massachusetts first online real money wager only $10 first deposit required bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days restrictions apply see terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com gambling problem hope is here at gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24 7 support so that that whole thing with the bonus bets, you can you you can't
2: ever withdraw them, but you can use them to make other bets, right? That is correct, JQ. Okay, cool. Good to know. Do you can can you do legal betting in Chicago?
1: It is uh yeah that is a more recent thing. Um, there, I there's always such crazy like rules about it. Um, but Seriously. I think. There is certain areas in Chicago where you can like set up, you have to like go to a casino. Like there are casinos in in the Chicago area, but not in Chicago. And you go and you can set up your sportsbook app there and then you're good after that.
2: Huh. Is it like casino, like uh, tribal land or something like that?
1: Rivers. There's a Rivers casino. And then there's, uh, if you go further out, there's like, you know, some, yeah, some like uh, tribal casinos. Yeah.
0: Got it. interesting stuff. Well, we're going to get into all of Matt's Chicago roots and more in the next Lab segment. Let's get right into it. So Matt, you are the host of Indie Basketball, a podcast that combines your love of hoops with your love of indie rock. And that is a perfect audience for people like me who play the bass in indie rock bands and also spend most of their free time watching basketball. So I'm curious, Matt, how did indie basketball get started? What was the initial thought process behind this amalgamation of topics into a podcast.
1: Yeah, honestly, it was it was actually like over 10 years ago. Um, I was in college and I was hanging out with a group of friends who were in bands in the Chicago area, uh, and we were just hanging around and it just, it's it's a pun factory, you know? Like, I think the very first one that was thrown out amongst friends was Sugar Rose for Derek Rose. Uh and then you know that everyone thought it was hilarious. We just started riffing a bunch. Rilo Kyrie was in there. Um, and so after that, I, I'm like, all right, I might as well just like make a Tumblr out of this. Um, it did really well for a while. Honestly, a couple of years. It was like seven or eight thousand followers on Tumblr, which is like pretty good for back in the day. Uh, and then you know, life happened and and I just like, I was running out of ideas, but pandemic came, I brought it back on Instagram. And, um, it started off with the memes and, you know, eventually more people caught on and I'm like, I can do so much more with this. So podcasts made sense. And I started talking with more musicians and it's, it's been really awesome to see what it's blown into because it is such a niche, uh, intersection, but like the people who go hard for it, go hard for it.
0: It's a surprisingly large intersection though. I mean, as someone who runs in both indie rock and basketball circles, I have to say, I'm really surprised by the amount of times I end up talking hoops with people at shows and things like that. It's kind of a strange crossover, but it happens a lot more than you would think. Um, You mentioned that the memes are kind of where this gets started. And one of the things that people should know when they follow Indie Basketball is that if you do so, you're gonna be getting access to extremely high quality Photoshop work, a whole lot of excellent memes at the Indie Basketball Instagram you should follow now. Um, some include Bone Iverson and Dr. Jay Mascus, two of my favorites. Uh, mm-hmm. If you are an Indie rock person, Dinosaur Jr, Boney Bear, and obviously Allen Iverson and Dr. Jay, two Philly basketball legends. Um, So, I'm curious, I'm pretty active as a presence on Celtics Twitter, and we encounter um, pretty esoteric Celtics times musician X memes on the regular. Prince is a big hit with the Boston Celtics fan base, among others. I'm curious, from your perspective as a now veteran-seasoned indie basketball meme maker, what is the secret to making a good NBA meme?
1: I mean, well, for one it's my job <laughs> i work in advertising like it's my nine to five so like there you this go. is what i do for a living <laughs> uh and honestly it's it's yeah it's not just the design aspect like i i think i have to think creatively for a living so it's like i'm used to doing this all the time but like honestly a solid pun will get you 90 percent of the way like really if you get a solid pun people are gonna love it
0: <laughs> the nba paint model seems like it's pretty oh, yeah. effective
1: dude oh. they, they did jerseys in the g league
0: oh yeah it was great i, I need to get one of those jerseys honestly because every time i see one it's it cracks me up and they honestly look like pretty good it's from amazing. a design perspective as well um also shout out to pete rogers for continuing his quest to design a celtics jersey for every win uh he's amazing yeah um So one of the coolest things that I have encountered in indie basketball is the half court sessions. Um, They are so much fun to listen to and watch. And uh, I was wondering if you could just give us a short description of what the half court session is and how you came up with that idea.
1: Yeah. So that's a, you know, something that we came up with last year and it's honestly a collaboration with um, some people who just initially we're just fans of, of the instagram page we have a discord and we all talk and um a good friend mike who is on there he is a videographer and i, I talked with him about doing this half court sessions is basically i the way i'd like to think of it is like you know npr tiny desk but on basketball courts um so using it as a as an opportunity to showcase some cool courts showcase some really cool musicians you may not know some you may know um and it's just, it's been it's been such a blast because the, the bass different basketball courts provide such a great setting and, and backdrop, mostly outdoors.
2: I, I definitely can suggest, uh, I don't know how feasible it would be to actually get there. Maybe you can just, uh, you know, like superimpose yourself. I'll Zoom on some of these courts in Latin America, the NBA just did a bunch of really cool ones. Uh, so that would be something to look into. And then uh, another, Potential suggestion, Uh, Celtics Lab uh, emeritus Josh Coyne has a really cool band, Springs Chief, that you might want to look into having
0: him on to talk about because he is obviously a hoops junkie as well. For sure. Um, Yeah, no, the half court sessions are great. I would really encourage anybody who's listening to check them out Um, if you're looking for new music that you maybe haven't heard as much of uh, on a cool basketball court. It's really awesome stuff. Um, so you see a lot of bands on basketball courts, um, in a, bar- <coughs> so sorry. Um, let's get that.
1: <laughs> Let it all out.
0: Yeah. So you see a lot of bands, uh, on the half court sessions in various settings, but all of them are on different basketball courts. And, you know, I have a little bit of experience as a guy in a band on a basketball court, Um, And so I'm curious, swinging this question to you, Matt, who are the bands that you would most like to see play in a 5v5 pickup game? And why would you choose those bands?
1: I, I, yeah, I saw this question ahead of time and it it really had me thinking, because, you know, there's a lot of, I, I like to be like metaphorical with like the type of band and like, you know, what kind of energy they bring. So like, in my mind, I'm, a solid five versus five not in terms of like play style but in terms of if i'm imagining like the the what the band sounds like i want it's like an emo hardcore game and this is like turn style versus like a combination of uh origami angel and uh like military gun wow. because <laughs> this, this 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 would be like this is like the crazy aau games where like you have like the top Uh, prospects in the in like the country and like everyone is going crazy there would be such intensity in that game
2: yeah i feel like get a time machine going get 1990s uh new york hardcore band involved because they practically were a sports team
0: yeah i mean if you've ever been to a hardcore show dear listeners you'll know exactly what matt is talking about the bodies are slamming it would be a a vintage style game like super physical oh yeah a lot of post play i imagine like throwback yeah, it would look like the 90s Knicks out there.
1: <laughs> totally. Some some Patrick Ewing elbows being thrown.
0: Exactly. Blood in the garden. Um, speaking of, you know, physical basketball play, uh, obviously you are a Chicago guy. You are a Bulls guy. Tom Thibodeau, the long legacy of really physical, tough Chicago Bulls teams. And at one point, you were a basketball player yourself in high school when you went up against one Derrick Rose in a high school game. Um, And we'd love to hear more about what it was like growing up in Chicago as a hoop fan and as a basketball player during that time, like the kind of rise of Derrick Rose and everything that came with that.
1: I should clarify that I was not on a team in <laughs> itself playing against ah, Derrick Rose but yes. our high school played against Simi in high school where Derek Rose went and you know a, a friend of mine Brian like he he had to guard it was in a summer league game because like normally we wouldn't get to go against them um, but he guard like Derrick Rose I think played like five minutes in a in like a summer league exhibition and Brian was like that's the fastest guy I have ever seen like in my life <laughs> Yeah, that sounds about
0: right. So, talk us uh, through like hoops culture in Chicago growing up. What was the scene like? What was going on there?
1: Yeah, there's so I mean, obviously Derek Rose, major piece, but there's, I feel like there's always been that prospect who was like Chicago city guy. Anthony Davis is from the city. I remember like, you know, when I was in high school too, it's probably like honestly after high school, but like Jolly Okafor was such a big deal in Chicago. Cliff Alexander, like who, Faded into obscurity, but um, you know, there's always been that like a huge prospect in Chicago because you know the the city high school teams are are pretty competitive and and they're always pretty intense.
0: You've obviously got Patrick Beverly now back on the team. Thoughts on a hometown hero returning
1: to Chicago? I mean, I wanted to be into it. (laughs) (laughs) I I feel like the 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 first the first game back, you know, gave people a little bit of hope and like, you know, Bev's energy is is unmatched, but I don't know that that's the the full answer. Um it's cool that, you know, he's he's from Chicago and he's back here, but you know, I there's there's more to the team than pet Bev.
0: There's murmurs that Anthony Davis is going to be available this offseason. Could be something to watch. Um speaking of the Bulls and potential moves that they might make. Um Matt, I have great news for you. You have been promoted to the GM position of the bulls effective immediately. What are your first moves and why?
1: I mean, you, uh, you alluded to this a little bit earlier, like it's unfortunately the constant, uh, bulls issue, um, you know, when it comes to more or less ownership, but you, you know, we've always been stuck in this competitive mediocrity, uh, there's always this fear to to completely rebuild and bulls really need to just do it. Get rid of Levine. It's fine. Like I know you, you got him on a nice contract. DeRozan's not going to get you much more. I think after this year, honestly, um, sell off Levine, sell off, uh, Kobe white. Um, maybe the only people you keep are like, maybe a O to if you can. And, uh, I'm, I'm losing faith on patrick williams as time goes by just because you know i had faiths i think he's, i know he's, i know he's
2: worth he's worth opening the floor up and letting him be himself but until until it's his team i don't think he's going to really spread his wings and if you wait too long for that then you might just get a high-end little player
1: because because you know the results of that may also be that you, you do get rid of him, and then you get a glory situation where he's an all-star and you know that's what happens but i do think patrick williams like has like the kawaii skills and I, i could see him getting somewhere like that it's just like it's still not there
0: yeah the one thing that i'll say is that i'm typically not a guy who's like go full process sixers and just play g leaguers and rookies until you get something i typically like to keep one or two solid vets around to establish like good habits winning culture things like that The difference is that you don't want to be paying those vets max contracts. So like, if you want to keep a Patrick Beverly here, if you want to keep an Alex Caruso there, maybe even a DeMar DeRozan, who I think is on a pretty reasonable contract. I don't think that that's crazy, but um, the Zach Levine contract is huge. The Nikola Vucevic contract is huge. It just seems like the Bulls are kind of in a perpetual state of mediocrity until they get on there
1: go out and get get like a Kevin Love. Like, like, that's, that's fine. Like, you know, get, get that vet. Who's like, you don't have to worry about paying him too much and you don't have to worry about giving him so much playing time. Just have someone in the clubhouse who can help those guys grow.
0: Makes a lot of sense to me. Um, so you, one of the things that we noticed at Indie basketball is that you like to do a lot of games over there. And I'm curious, which is your favorite game and why?
1: Yeah. Uh, on the podcast with musician with when I have musicians on to talk about basketball and usually we wrap it up with a, a game. It's usually one of two ways. I think the one I do most is, you know, they're often a fan of a team. So let's take some iconic players from that team and describe them as a as a band or a musician. You know, it's always fun to compare answers because people, you know, whether it's like how they play how they dress, how they look. Like, it, it's fun to see all the different reasons, like, you know, why, you know, Zach Levine is like Yolo Tango. I don't know. <laughs> like, just tell me why. Yeah,
0: sounds fun. Well, um, it's great that we have you on because, Matt, you're actually going to lead us in a game. We talked about this a little bit off air, um, but we're going to play a little game called What Would the Celtics Look Like as a Six Piece Band? We're going to go with two persons each and we're going to pick out um who they what instrument they would play what role they would have in the band and then try to evaluate at the end after we've assembled this band what does this band sound like matt as our guest you're going to get to go first who's playing what in the current celtics band and why start off with your first player
1: sure yeah i feel like this is this is kind of a crossover a couple of games we play this has got a little bit of a fantasy draft element to it where we all get to pick one um I think starting off with Celtics players, I will I'll leave some of the big fish for you guys. Uh, but I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the drummer, the backbone, someone who's got to you know, bully a little bit and be a little aggressive. And I'm gonna pick Robert Williams for that one. I feel like he would be such a good, like he's banging on the toms. Like he's like such like a a strong drum sound who's gonna be the backbone.
2: I actually thought uh, I did the whole exercise myself just to try to get a feel for how it would go and I I was going to put him on there but the 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 reliability the availability of a drummer is critical. You can't have a drummer who's missing nights, right? So for that Well, I personally... you
0: say that and then the drummer is in five different bands and they're all meeting <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> and Then you end up in that same place. Fair point. Fair uh, point.
2: I had a different person I'll I'll, I'll
0: talk about it later but I had someone different. Shout Shout out to Chris. We love you, Chris. Um, That's the drummer for Define Sweater. Anyway, um, I am a bass guy. And so I'm gonna make the next pick and I'm gonna pick who the bass player for this Celtics band would be. For bass, you know, what's really important is that you don't need anybody who's particularly over the top and flashy unless you're like a Flea or Jaco Pastorius. Particularly in the indie rock sound, you need somebody who is consistent, who's reliable, uh, and who just kind of knows the ins and outs of like what your sound wants to be. So for that, I think there's no better choice on this Celtics roster than Al Horford to play the bass. I just feel like the consistency, the calm, the presence, he's everything you need in a bass player and more. Totally, totally. JQ, yeah, you're up to
1: it. And w- one one sec yeah, before we keep going, right. let's make sure too that we're making one cohesive band. Oh, totally. So, if we want to, if we want to double up on drums, like we can do that. But let's make sure we got a reason. We're thinking it through.
0: Yeah, okay, I think, I, like got, that. I think we got to try and get uh, a couple of instruments filled before we can go into doubles. <laughs> ah, old timer. Yeah.
2: All right. Well, in that case, uh, if we've got the rhythm section taken care of, uh, let's get a lead guitarist, which uh, I'm going to be incredibly obvious. Uh, are we doing snake draft or am I, am I going to get We're doing two? the
0: snake draft. So you're going to okay, get it. So I got two, two then. All right. So then yeah.
2: Jason Tatum, clearly the lead guitarist, right? How could it be anybody else? Uh I was gonna put Jalen Brown on uh the drums because he's very reliable. He does seem to be at his best when he's playing in rhythm. You see what I did there. Uh-huh. Uh so for me, if he's not doing that, then he's gotta play the rhythm guitar. So lead guitar, Jason Tatum, rhythm guitar, natural pairing next to him, Jalen Brown.
1: I I do feel like that's actually pretty solid comp compared to their. Playstyles because they're they're pretty even with like themselves as being stars in the team so I feel like I'm not gonna obviously alternate fix but if they're both guitarists maybe they're even both vocalists where they alternate songs or something like that because I feel like they do that a lot in their games. They do.
0: That's definitely something to consider. And you know, for what it's worth, a lead guitarist and a rhythm guitarist can be equally talented totally. and equally able to do incredible things. See the Almond Brothers band and other things like that. It's just about roles and about who fits what role. All right, Matt, you've got next pick. Who are we going with?
1: Well, if we're going snake, aren't we going back to you?
0: I guess we are, I was gonna give you next pick just because, (laughs) Um, but I'll take the next pick. So we have a lead guitar, we have a rhythm guitar, we have a drummer, we have a bassist. We need somebody to sing some vocals. And you know, this is a player that uh, has so much to say on a regular basis. He, you know, really has a kind of fiery personality and a little charismatic, you know, he wears crazy robes and stuff like that. I think he really fits the lead singer archetype to a T Um, Marcus Smart has got to be the lead singer for the Celtics band, right? I mean, who else could it possibly be?
2: I could say it could be Grant if it's more of like a screamo band. Really getting on your nerves. He's got really important things to say, at least in his mind.
0: Marcus also has experience as a rapper, so I feel like he knows his way around the microphone a little bit. There you go. All right, Matt. So we have a drummer, we have a bassist, we have a lead singer, we have a lead guitarist and a rhythm guitarist. Who's next on the Celtics band?
1: I mean, I feel like this is so. This is the last member of the band. Like, I believe so. You have you have the band more or less figured out. Like, you have all the main pieces there. You're sufficient enough. So, whatever this player is going to be may pivot what the, the final sound is. Um, it's interesting. I f- <laughs> I feel like my gut reaction is to have someone play like horn uh, like horns oh i like it okay who would and that I, be yeah i'm just gonna go based off of uh someone who looks like they play horns and it's gonna be luke cornet
0: <laughs> yeah i love it that's good, good stuff, luke cornet huh? is yeah he's <laughs> he's
1: playing he's playing a uh, definitely some some trumpet section um adding a little bit of that blues flair on top um, maybe this turns into like a, a slightly emo band, like uh, a Massachusetts native, really from. I don't know if you're into them. Oh,
0: yes, we love really from.
1: Really from was great. Uh, I wish they were still a band, but uh, yeah, that that sort of like jazzy emo sound. So that's what i
2: actually at first. I thought we were building. I'm gonna go reach back into the depths because I'm an old man, uh, like a more like a neurosis sound where <laughs> like it's very heavy, right? But it's also uh-huh. very intricate. But then we added into the horns. I feel like reaching even further back, uh, that we have something like more like an ice burn going on here.
1: Mm. Okay, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: that's that's a legit point. You know, it's interesting. I feel like. I'm going to be, I'm going to expose myself as a total dweeb here, but (laughs) I feel like there's a little bit of elements of like neutral milk hotel going on Mm, right now. And I know it's such a generic indie band to pick, but you've got the brass, you've got the drums, you've got a kind of like, I think Marcus Smart's vocal style strikes me as like a little high pitch, potentially a little like nasally, True. you know, he's always kind of like barking out defensive, uh, you know, sets and calling out a lot of plays at a fairly high pitch to make sure that everybody hears him. So I feel like it, there's a little nu- neutral Mel going on. Yeah. And I, and I, I, I feel sure like actually too. Dan, sorry. <laughs> oh, I love Steely Dan. <laughs> yeah, like I Steely had to get Dan. that <laughs> I,
1: I do feel like too, since we have uh, um Robert Williams on the drums, I feel like that adds to like the lo-fi kind of yeah. like crunchy drums.
0: Definitely. That makes a lot of sense. All right, folks. Well, if you have any suggestions for what the Celtics band would sound like, feel free to give us a couple of retweets and comments on Twitter when this podcast gets posted. That. Thank you so much, Matt. Uh, this was a real pleasure to have you on. Anything to plug before we head out of here?
1: I mean, you got the yeah, there's there's the whole gamut of indie basketball things. Follow us on on Instagram. Uh we're actually having a moment on TikTok right now. People are finally discovering us on TikTok. <laughs> That's huge. Um, Let's go. But we have, yeah, podcasts is is semi-frequent, you know, a couple episodes a month. Um, half court sessions season two is, is gonna hopefully kick off in the next uh, couple months. This is definitely like a you know s- spring summer project. Um hopefully you get some there's there's some things planned for half court sessions, but yeah, check out the podcast, check out Instagram, join our discord, all that.
0: Absolutely. And I'm going to do a shameless self plug here because if you like indie rock and you've liked this conversation, divine sweater, my band has just released a new song on all streaming platforms. It's called when the world is ending. And if you think like me that the Celtics world is ending after every loss, feel free to give it a stream whenever you are feeling blue. But if you feel like they're uh, you know supporting them in the wins and the positive moments, it's also just a fun, enjoyable little bob.
1: So, I'm gonna yeah. go ahead and say too that the Discord for indie basketball is a big Divine Sweater fan. So Oh yes.
0: Yeah, feel free to I also think. join that Discord. It's a good time. Memes, music, et cetera, et cetera. Matt, thank you so much. Um, and this episode, once again, of the Celtics Lab podcast is brought to you by FanDuel the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS media network, Massachusetts sports betting is finally legal in the state. Head over to FanDuel to get in on the action for all your favorite Boston sports teams. You can bet on the Bruins and Celtics now, and you can bet on the Red Sox season, which is right around the corner. Head over to FanDuel to place your bets today. FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of Celtics lab and the CLNS media network.